If not, I invite you to turn with me. I'll be taking a primary lesson text tonight from Hebrews chapter 6, and then also from 1 Peter chapter 4. Those will be our two primary reading places this evening, but we'll also read from a couple of other verses as you're working your way there. And certainly I know that in times past you've heard me teach and preach and admonish us following uh, or nearing our annual elections. And uh, the reason why I make it a point to do that is that I believe that the offices of the church are pivotal to our success as a church. We're not going to be any more successful than we are going to be successful as we look at our officers. So we're not going to have a successful Sunday school program if we don't have successful Sunday school teachers. We're not going to have a successful worship service if we don't have a successful song leader. We're not going to have a successful ability to keep track of the goings-on of the church if we don't have a successful clerk. We're not going to be successful in being good stewards of the Lord's money and His treasures and His resources that He's given us if we don't have a successful treasure. Our success is entrusted and dependent upon the successfulness of those that we have placed into an office within the church. And I feel it is important then from time to time for us to be reminded of that. It's one reason why I'm thankful that we have uh, these Sunday evenings back with us where we can spend time in, in, in teaching on those things. Um, I want to just read a couple of verses before we get to the book of Hebrews. In Psalm number 84, verse 10, you probably heard the, the second half of this verse said before. It says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. A lot of times we think that there are certain positions that have more reverence or are worthy of more respect than others, but I want you to know that's simply not true as we look to the Scriptures. Scriptures see make it clear that no matter if you are a lay member that's merely there to serve your part in prayer and in attendance and in upholding the truths that are being preached, or whether it is that you are a Sunday school teacher or a worship leader or whatever the case might be, that there is there for you a role and a responsibility in an important part, even if all you're doing is tending to the door. You know, we don't have ushers here at the church, but I think ushers are a good role. I think that a greeter is a good role. A lot of times at Baptist churches, those seem to be assumed. I was a member at Southside Church for a long time, and she was never elected to the office of greeter, but Sister Linda, Sister Linda Shy was a wonderful greeter at Southside Church. And I've been to other churches where there are just good men and good women that show hospitality and love and are welcoming. When a visitor walks through the back door, they are there to greet them. And that's good. Those are good practices for us to recognize. And Scripture upholds these realities that we are not to be passive in how we serve the church, but we are to be active in how we serve the church. If all we do from Sunday to Sunday is come in and fill a pew, we are falling short of the reward of the blessing of God in serving the church. We're going to see that here later on in the Scriptures. I want to read one other place before we get to the book of Hebrews. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. This is Jesus speaking. He says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, Jesus came not to be served, but to minister. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. 
Jesus has set for us the precedent concerning how we are to serve. We are to serve one another. We are to be in service to each other in the church. Whether it is that we would merely be yielding with one another and and admonishing one another and edifying one another, or we are in literal service to each other, tearing for one another, helping one another, encouraging each other, that we are to be active in how we serve one another in the church. Especially then, those that have been placed into some office. I want you to know today that if you've been placed into some office in the church, that you have been entrusted by the church. The church has elected you. It's not some passive thing, well, yeah, we'll let that person do that, and yeah, this person over here can do this. The church has elected you, entrusting you to the role in which you've been placed. You carry then a responsibility, and you carry then an accountability to the church. You are accountable for serving the Lord and serving the church in the office in which you've been placed. Listen to me, there is not a greater thing that you can do than serve God. And there's not a greater thing you can do in the service to God than to serve the people of God. And you might say, well, Derek, it seems like my part is very small, and it may seem that way to you, but I want you to know that you are serving the people of God. You are blessed to be in service of the greatest institution that has ever existed on the face of the earth. You're serving an institution that is greater than the the top ten companies in the universe, companies in the world. They come out with all these people or the CEOs, the who's of who's, and the movers and shakers. You are serving the Lord's church. That's wonderful. That you've been entrusted to serve the people of God. I hope it excites you. I hope... It carries with you some respect, some accountability. When I was, I guess I must have been about 19 or 20, maybe it's a little older, 21, I was Sunday school superintendent at Southside. And I took that position real serious. In fact, some of you will probably wonder why I took it as serious as I did. Tiffany and I were dating, and I would go down and visit her on the weekends, and I would wake up real early in the mornings to drive back on Sunday morning back up to Southside to fill my role as Sunday school superintendent. And some would say, well, Derek, it would been real easy for you to just ask somebody else to do it. And they're right. It would have been real easy for me to ask somebody else to do it. But the church had entrusted me to do that. I owed it to the church, seeing that they had entrusted me to serve in that capacity, to do my very best to serve in that capacity. Whatever I could do to aid in the service, I saw as the least that I could do. It was the bare minimum that I might wake up and do that. It was just an honor to be able to come and serve the Lord in those respects. You might say, well, you know, normally a Sunday school superintendent, that's just somebody that's just kind of starting Sunday school and giving a devotion. Shouldn't it be more? Maybe we think too lightly of some of these positions. Maybe the reality is that we've lost some respect of the position as a result of that people don't see their role as highly as maybe they should. And I want us, and I'm not singling out Brother Craig when I'm talking about the Sunday school superintendent. I'm just using an example that I've had in my life. If I'd been a Sunday school teacher or song leader, I'd have used one of those. But 
the, uh, I've never been a song leader to the surprise of absolutely nobody. But what we look at and what we see in this is just a high calling and honor of being able to serve in the Lord's church. Read with me in the sixth chapter of the book of Hebrews. Uh, we want to read four verses beginning at verse 9. Verse 9 down through verse 12. It says, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, thou, excuse me, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed towards His name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful or sluggish, but followers or imitators of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We know how later on the Hebrew writer is going to get into this cloud of witnesses that we have in the faith, this hall of faith that we see in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. He's starting to lead up to that a little bit and pointing to those saints of God that have gone on. And he is telling the Hebrews, he's telling people that he's writing to here, that they are to be imitators, followers of what they have seen in the past. And being followers of what they've seen in the past, that they are not to be slothful, not to be sluggish in how they are serving the Lord. Now, there's an importance in this. A lot of times what I'm afraid of is that when we think about the service of the Lord, we tend to deprioritize it. And we deprioritize it and we fit it in just whenever we can fit it in. And as a result of that, we don't give it the attention that it's due. I'll give you an example. The Bethel Association is coming up here in a few weeks and they have these subjects and people get put on these subject selection committees and I've been put on enough of them by now that I know most of the time those subjects don't get written until about the week or two before the association. This year, we will have been given two years to work on these subjects, and I am still certain that most of those subjects won't be put together until a week or two, if, if that long, before the association. These things should be of a higher priority. They should be of a higher regard. We should not be slothful or sluggish in our service to the Lord's church. Sunday school teachers, I hope that you are diligently praying and studying throughout the week and not preparing your Sunday school lesson late at night on a Saturday or waking up early on a Sunday morning to do that. Now, I will tell you, most of the time I am finalizing my sermon on a Saturday night in which I'm getting it all together. But I want you to know I have spent time leading up to that, getting prepared. That's just putting, as I call it, the hay in the barn <laughs> at that point. I've gone and cut the hay. I've gathered the hay. I've got the hay all ready to go. And then I spend Saturday night putting it up in the barn. Hope that analogy makes sense. <laughs> Coming off of our, our VBS. But we need to be diligent in these things and not sluggish. Not sluggish. Why? Because God does not forget our work. I think I've shared with you before up at Whiteland at their homecoming service right after I had accepted the, the call to, to come and, and pastor here at Faith. And Brother Nathan York came and gave me a big hug and, and he was talking about the labor of love that it is to pastor. God is not unrighteous to forget the labor of love of His people in His service. He sees what you do. 
And even when nobody else gives you an accolade for it, even when you feel like people are against you or challenging, and you, Brother Brett says, I just can't even get these people to sing. God sees your labor of love. He knows what you're doing. And He sees your effort. And He's going to reward that. Your labor of love does not go unnoticed. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to get to some practical things here in a minute, but I want to make sure we establish the right scriptural and theological grounds here before we get to that. I, once again, I just want to read four verses over here in 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, here we'll begin at verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. It says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity, have fervent love among yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I apologize. I think I read five verses, not four. But we see here that, that Peter is writing and he is admonishing and encouraging these Christians. And he is telling them that we see and we know that the end of all things is at hand. So he tells them to be sober-minded and to be watchful in prayer. But he goes on and tells them to be filled with love. That they would have a love towards one another. That they would not be grudging towards one another. But instead they would be mindful concerning how it is that they would be acting one to another. Not grumbling, not complaining, not saying bad things and, and how they would feel about certain situations, but instead encouraging and saying, you know what, maybe I don't like my Sunday school teacher very much, and I could complain about that and grumble about that, or I could take on the mentality that I'm going to do all I can to support them. I'm going to spend time in prayer, lifting them up to God. I'm going to spend time in my own studies that I might come able to, to speak and to help carry on the lesson. I'm going to call them and encourage them each time they say something that sparks my interest. Rather than grumbling and complaining, I'm going to see to it that I show love to those that are ministering and serving in the Lord's church. Do you see the difference? This should, frankly, this should just be the character of God's people. We're not talking here about something that should be unique just to the offices of the church. This should just be the character of God's people all the time. We have a tendency to grumble and complain about situations, but what our response should be instead is not to grumble and to complain, but instead that we might call out to God and say, God, show us how we can be effective in this situation. I'll give you an example. A couple months ago, my boss changed at work. I wasn't very happy about it. I grumbled about it. I grumbled loud enough that I ended up talking to the CEO of my company about it. Now, fortunately, before then, I'd prayed about it. And by the time I ended up talking to the CEO of my company about it, I told him, I said, you know, Steve, I'll tell you, I was pretty upset when I heard about this. And I said, I'm not certain how effective this man's going to be at being my manager. 
But I know this. I know I could either have a really bad attitude about it and grumble and complain and, and whine about it. I said, or I can take on the idea, take on the heart and the attitude and the mind that instead I want to try to help this person be the best that he can be in leading me and in managing me. What's the number one thing you can do for me as your pastor? Pray for me. I need your prayers. The number two thing you can do for me is encourage me. So help me when you see, you know, he really struggled through that message. You might see that every week. But when you say, I see that he really struggled through that message, call me up during the week and say, hey, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you and I appreciate you. I see what you're doing. It doesn't go unnoticed. There are times when what we need, first and foremost, we all need prayer from our brothers and our sisters. We need lifted up to God that we might be carried on a little further. But then there are those times where we need someone to rally around us and to encourage us and to be that which helps carry our burdens, not adding weight that we already carry. You ever had something heavy? That you're carrying, maybe it's a backpack, or you're carrying something in your hands. And somebody will come and be like, "Oh, can you carry this too?" And you're like, "Sure, pile it on." And you wonder, "Why did you do that? You saw that my hands were full. Why did you put that on there too?" Now, most of the time, I know you well enough to know that you all would greatly you know, be able to take on even more than maybe you can handle to help somebody else. But let us not be that which adds weight that's already being carried. But let us, when we see somebody having their hands full, say, hey, how can I help you? Can I carry something for you as we administer? Listen to what he says as he closes. He says, as every man hath received the gift, as you have been gifted by the Lord, and, and I don't think Peter would have a problem we extrapolate this a little bit, and say, as you've been entrusted by the church, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. When you are serving the Lord's church, you are stewards of what God has given us. God has given us time. He's given us abilities. He's given us resources. He's given us knowledge and wisdom. He's given us these things that can aid us and can help us in how we worship and how we grow in Christ and, and learn and, and know more and more about His character and about His personality. We steward those things. Our Sunday school hour, Jeff is stewarding our adult Sunday school class as we would make our way through studies of Scripture, through studies of topic. Our worship service, Brother Brett is stewarding the Lord's talents to sing. Isn't that incredible? The Lord's given us song. He's given us an ability to sing. He didn't have to make our body so that we can change our vocal cords and inflect pitches in our voice in such a way that we can make joyful noises. But He's done that that He might receive honor and glory and breath that is entrusted by the church to lead those talents that we might sing and praise the Lord and have our minds transformed, taken away from the week that we just had and instead set our minds and our hearts and our attention upon things of the Lord. This is a stewardship issue. It's not merely a, I'm going to fill this role and do my part. But instead, you are stewards in the Lord's church. You know what a steward is? It's somebody that's been entrusted with the property of another. 
to see to it that they're not returning something to that owner that's less than what they've received. My prayer for the past nine years here at Faith Church is that whenever God tells me that my time here is done, that I will have left faith a little better off than I found it. And that's not a knock on, on how it was when I got here. It's just saying I don't want to be of a, of a burden to the Lord's church. I want to help the Lord's church. I want to see it grow. And I hope that that's the same burden as the next person that would follow me. That their hope is that they would leave faith a little better than they found it. And that keeps happening. Good things are, are going to be the result of it. So it should be for all of us that we would steward what the Lord has given us. The purpose of all of that is that God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. Let me say this before we get to some practical things. Colossians chapter 3, just want to read two verses there. It says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You say, Derek, you know, I, I didn't ask to be a Sunday school teacher, and I'm just doing it out of obligation. That's fine, I understand. But don't do it then as you would do it unto men. Do it heartily as to the Lord. There's been a time or two where early on in my time here at Faith, did you know I had a lead singing a time or two? I, mean, I actually had a full out lead singing a time or two. And I did it heartily to the Lord. I know it's not a talent or an ability that I have. God knows that too. And Lord knows all of you know that as well. So there is no need for me to try to somehow shrug it off or say, no, it would be better off for somebody else to do it. It was a job that needed done and all I knew to do was to do it heartily to the Lord. You know what heartily means? It means to do it with all the effort, all the, the fiber of your being directed towards that heartily with a, a state that is above and beyond that which you would just haphazardly enter into or enter into in part, but you would enter into with the fullness of your heart. What is it you are striving to do? So whether or not you say, you know, Derek, I'm, I'm going to pick on Brett. Brett might say, Derek, these people just won't sing. It don't matter what I do. I can't get them to sing. They, they, they can't get on key. They can't get on time. And, you know, I got this person back here. They're singing. They're singing a different song. Well, if that's the case. Don't do it unto them. You just do it unto the Lord. And He'll take care of it. Do all things heartily unto the Lord. For those who serve in the church, those who've been entrusted with some office in the church, those who the church has shown confidence in and putting you in some office, and you having accepted that position, you've accepted the responsibility to the church. And if you've trusted or accepted the responsibility to the church, you are accountable to the church. Now there's something I want to drive home tonight as we move into speaking about the, the, the practical things concerning the offices of the church. I want to drive home this. You are now accountable to the church. I want you to just imagine for a second if all of a sudden, next Sunday, y'all are here and it's 11 o'clock and you've gone through Sunday school, but I've not shown up. Didn't call anybody, didn't tell anybody, but I've just not, not come. Just not going to go today. So you go through Sunday school hour and everybody's kind of looking around. Anybody heard from Derek? 
Maybe somebody's texting me. Maybe a deacon or somebody stepped outside and tried to give me a call. I'm not picked up. I'm, I'm just not going to go today. Brother Gary's starting to sweat a little bit. Some of the other preachers are starting to sweat a little bit. You see them start picking through their Bibles, wondering if they're going to have to preach. And 11 o'clock gets here, and I'm still not here. And Brother Brett gets up. He starts singing, and everybody's looking. They're saying, there's nobody sitting right there. We've got a problem on our hands. Brother Brett gets to, through two songs, through three songs, through four songs. I've not come, and everybody's kind of looking around, and Brett's saying, I don't know if I should stop and call for the offering myself, or if somebody else is going to set up and do it. And, and all of a sudden, there's just this big confusion going on. And finally, somebody probably step up and, and call for an offering and, and try to lead service, and then they're going to be put on the spot maybe to try to preach or something. And meanwhile, what's going on through everybody's mind, while all that's happening, they're probably not even really paying attention anymore to what's happening or to the message that's being preached. All they're wondering is, where's Derek? Why is he not here? Maybe somebody would even have left at this point to come to my house out of concern for what's going on. Can you imagine what would happen if all of a sudden I say, you know what, I'm not coming today. That wouldn't be good, would it? There's an accountability that I have to the church. You've entrusted me as your pastor. And if I'm not living up to that, and I'm not accountable to that, I have fallen short of what you guys have entrusted me to do. And so it is in your position. So it is in what you have on your plate, or what you have been entrusted with in your responsibility. We have the church clerk. This church clerk has been entrusted with the responsibility to record the business of the church and to communicate with other churches. We've entrusted Brother Chris to do that. We said, Brother Chris, listen, we need somebody to keep up with what's going on here when we have business meeting. All these things are happening. If we don't have somebody to record it three months from now, we're going to say, did we already do that? I don't remember. Did anybody send that letter to the church about that person that joined over there? Or anybody send that letter to that church about that new person that's joined here? If not for a clerk, who would fill that role? We have our treasurer. They're responsible for seeing that our collections are taken up, that our expenses are paid, and that our stewardship of the Lord's resources that we have here at church are, are correctly and accurately tracked. you imagine if we didn't have that? We'd all just come put money up here in a plate and hope somehow it makes it into the bank, I guess. <laughs> That or we'd have a bill and all of a sudden we'd be here on a Sunday morning the lights would go off. We'd all wonder if the power went out or if we just didn't pay the electric bill. All of a sudden we find out one day that we got an overdraft fee because we haven't been good stewards of the Lord's finances and we've spent more than we have. We need a good treasurer, don't we? These are responsibilities that come with these positions. We have our trustees. They represent the church in legal matters. Say that we had some issue come up with our property deed here at the church. We needed to figure it out with, with the, the government. We would need trustees to represent us in that regard. Else we would go to the courthouse and we'd say, hey, we've got a problem with this deed. And they'd say, that's all well and good. Who are your trustees? And we would say, we don't have any. And they would say, well, who's going to represent you? And we would say, we don't know. We need trustees to be able to represent us. We have our Sunday school superintendent. He's responsible for the oversight. That's what superintendent means. It is one who has oversight. Our Sunday school superintendent has oversight of our Sunday school program. 
He opens our Sunday school hour. He ensures that we start on time. He provides a good opening devotional that stirs our hearts. He takes up our Sunday school offering and he ensures that our Sunday school ends with enough time to welcome visitors for the worship service so that we can start that service on time. Could you imagine if we didn't have a Sunday school superintendent? It'd just be chaos. Brother Jeff would spend an extra half hour trying to get us all to stop talking so we could dismiss and have worship service. Wouldn't you, Brother Jeff? (laughs) We need a good Sunday school superintendent. We have our song leader responsible for leading us in good spiritual songs that stir our minds and fill our hearts in praise and worship of the Lord. Listen, Brother Brett's not the person who just merely is responsible for picking which songs we sing and make sure those songs get started. He spends time in prayer that the Spirit would help him with the song selection. He spends time in prayer that God would help to unite his heart with my thoughts that the songs that he picks would be edifying of the message that would be preached. Isn't that cool? Did you hear that today? Did you hear the first song that Brother Brett sang? What was it? Anybody remember? He set me free. What did I preach on? Being free from the bondage and sin. I don't think that was a coincidence, folks. And I don't think that it happens unless he and I both are spending time with the Lord in prayer, getting our direction from God about what I'm going to preach and what he's going to sing. Those things are to go hand in hand. He prepares before the service with songs selected to start us on time and then He practices new songs that He can continually foster in active worship among the body. There was a deacon up at Southside one time and he came to me and he was just kind of talking privately so I'm not going to tell you what his, who, who it was or his name. And he said, he, he said to me, he said, you know what? He said, I think I'm going to go up there. I'm going to take a Sharpie mark. I'm going to color that number out of that song leader's book. <laughs> he was saying the song service got stale. Brother Brett has a responsibility to make sure our song service doesn't get stale. Now, there are probably some times where he thinks, that person requested that song again. <laughs> He's like, i sing that one again. And that's just where he has to be patient with us. <laughs> but it's good that he desires to sing new songs that stir our hearts and keep us active in how we worship, that we're not just monotonous in how we sing. You see, these are big responsibilities, aren't they? We have our custodian who ensures that we worship in an environment that is clean and comfortable and presentable to visitors. She ensures we have the supplies necessary for the church that as we meet from time to time, we have the, the supplies in the bathroom, the supplies in the kitchen, the supplies here in the, in the sanctuary that we need to, to be able to easily and, and without too much of an effort gather ourselves together. There's not somebody back in the bathroom hollering that they need something brought to them, but instead that we have all those things taken care of. Could you imagine if we'd have a custodian that was good and responsible in their job? It'd be hard up. We need those that are responsible and accountable to the service. Now let me say this. This is my annual note for Sister Brianna. She is not our personal housekeeper. That is, clean up after yourselves in service. Just take the time. Nobody else should have to touch your, your Kleenexes. Just pick them up, throw them away on your way out. She doesn't pay me to say that. I just volunteer it for her. But it's good for us to be diligent in that. We have our Sunday school teachers. They are responsible for teaching to their respective classes the, about the things of God from the Word of God. 
This may be to the younger classes, those miraculous accounts of the Scriptures that young children learn, the parting of the Red Sea, Daniel in the lion's den, the accounts at Christmas time, and so on. It may be the more basic principles to those who might be a little older and beginning to reach the age where they get saved and join the Lord's church, teaching on things like salvation and on baptism, teaching those elementary principles of the Scriptures. To the teenagers, it may be those things that they need strengthened in concerning the temptations and challenges in school that come with being an adolescent. Things about the opposite sex. It's appropriate that our teachers are teaching those things to the age groups that they're teaching that are appropriate for them. That as they grow, that they'd be continuing to grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. To adults, it's those deeper and richer things of Scripture. Those things that grow and strengthen our relationship with the Lord. Sunday school teachers spend time praying and studying through the week, preparing lessons that are the benefit to God's people. I want you to know that Sunday school is beneficial to your individual walk with the Lord. Our youth group leaders, they plan activities and functions that are engaging for our young people, providing atmospheres that foster and deepen connections with and among our teenagers. This is not merely in doing things, but in sharing things. The more young people feel engaged, the more confidence they are in sharing and entrusting the leaders of the group. I've seen this lately as we've had the, the teens over to our house a time or two uh, here in the past couple months. Going to do it again here later on this month. That the more comfortable they get in those environments, the more comfortable they are sharing the things that they're dealing with, sharing the challenges and the struggles that they have. A youth group is not merely that there would be activities for the young people, but those activities that as they're engaged, they grow closer together in their relationships with one another, but also in good spiritual advisors and leaders that can help them and mold them in things of the Lord. Not only so, but the more engaged that, they, that teenagers and young folks are in youth group, the more engaged they'll be in the church. And the more engaged they are in the church at this age, the more likely they are to stay in the church as they grow older. Youth group is not, well, we should have a youth group so the kids have something to do. That's not, that's not the, the primary point of it. It's that it'll be creating engagement among our young people. This is now, leading into why we have now our activities committee, planning for us monthly activities that foster engagement, fellowship, and community within the church. Note, this committee, listen to me on this, this activities committee will only be successful if there is particip participation and support in the activities by the church. Sister Annette and Sister Becky can plan all sorts of activities but if y'all don't show up, they're not going to be successful. And I guarantee you that if they plan 12 activities out for this next year, that there's going to be at least one of those activities that doesn't get you all excited. Turns out that the very first activity they have doesn't get me all that excited because they're making me cook. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you see the point. That there's going to be times where you say, you know what? Maybe this isn't the thing that I'm most passionate about, or I think this is all that great. But you know what? I support the efforts of the church, and I support the efforts of this committee, and so I'm going to be there to support what they are trying to do in helping us foster engagement and fellowship and community 
in the church. All right. I just went through all these different offices in the church. Why did I go through all of those? I want you to know that you have now a public responsibility in those capacities that I shared. As Sunday school teachers, as song leader, as clerk, as treasurer, as youth group leaders, as the activity committee, as the custodian, all these offices have responsibilities that have been entrusted to them of the church. And if they don't fulfill those responsibilities, we as a church are going to be less successful. Our success is dependent upon these responsibilities. What would happen if we didn't have a clerk? You know, right now there are we are missing 10 to 20 years of, of minutes that we don't have. Those times are blank. Most of us that are here tonight, we weren't around in the periods that are missing. We can rely on some accounts from people that were, but otherwise we have no idea the things that went on. And so that hurts us because we don't know if there's situations that we can learn from or things that are on our books that maybe we're not living up to now that we should be and we need to do differently because of the things that are on our books. What would happen if we didn't have a clerk today? What would happen if we didn't have a treasurer today? You know, we just had VBS and had all these expenses that went towards putting on VBS. If we didn't have a treasure, how efficient would we have been able to do those things? What would happen if we didn't have the trustees? I already talked about that. If we didn't have that legal representation. Or if we didn't have a Sunday school superintendent. Or if we didn't have a song leader. I guess if we didn't have a song leader, we just have, I don't know, 50-part melodies taking place every Sunday where one person opens their book, somebody else opens their book, and it's like dueling banjos with songs that are happening. Songs that are fitting only the, perfect, the individual wishes and, and thoughts of what songs people like best and not those songs that God would have sung that would direct and stir our hearts and edify the message that would be preached that day. What would happen if we didn't have a custodian? I don't want to go on that one. I, I, I'd worry about that. <laughs> We'd have a, a smelly, messy place to come into and worship, wouldn't we? What would happen if we didn't have Sunday school teachers? What would happen if we didn't have youth group leaders? What would happen if we didn't have this activity committee? What would happen if we didn't have a pastor? The church is supported and made profitable by all of these offices that you all fulfill. I don't want you to take your job lightly. I want you to have reverence for your position. The church has seen reverence for you and placing you in the position that they placed you in. And so seeing that the church has had reverence for you, has had respect for you, I want to encourage you also to have respect for the position that you've been placed in. Respect for the position that the church has entrusted in you. Now listen, if you would say that nothing would be different if we didn't have one of these roles, well then something needs to change in that role. I guess you could say nothing would be different with the activities committee since it's just getting going. But if you say there would be things that would be significantly different if we didn't have these roles, then our expectation should be that these roles are respected, that they are upheld not just by the person that fulfills the role, but by the rest of us as well. If you see Brother Brett up there some Sunday and he's struggling, he's coughing, he's sick, he's under the weather, and it just seems that he doesn't have the energy, you know what the best thing you can do for him is? Pray for him. 
The second best thing you can do for him, sing louder. Take that off his back. He can't get it out there. He can't just just put it forth. Can't, can't sing as loud as he would like to. Pick it up for him. Help him. You can get up there and help him. Literally, physically, get up there and help him. Say, Brother Brett, I see that you can barely make a noise. Your throat's so sore. Let me help you. I think Brother Brett would say, thank you. He'd probably get himself a drink of water. But you see how we can do these things. So let us be mindful to respect and uphold the role. To those that fulfill the role, I want you to know that you are accountable. That you are responsible. That you are also respected. And you are entrusted. And most of all, you who are in these roles, I want you to know this. You are needed. You are needed. We need you. Whether you're Sunday school teacher, Sunday school superintendent, song leader, treasurer, clerk, custodian, whatever your, your role is, we need you. We need you. God needs you. The kingdom needs you. That the kingdom would continue needs you. So I want to encourage all of us tonight, I'll close. So all of our officers, serve the Lord's church. Serve the Lord's church well, but serve the Lord's church principally as you'd serve unto the Lord. Thank you for your attention tonight. Someone on your heart?